we should start a Smashcast gaming channel called The World of Warcast. <laughs> this guy. That definitely exists already, though. It exists. Worldofwarcast.com. We're going to be sponsored by Rage Shadow Legends by next week. Start now for free. What is up, guys? It is Smash Sunday, October 25th. We are fresh off the fights. And boys, what a weekend. What a weekend in combat sports. Last night, Khabib Nurmagomedov, we'll cut right to it, defended his 155-pound lightweight belt, undisputed, undefeated, and retires. Um, what a night. Khabib is just something else. What an emotional, emotional mm-hmm. night for him as well. Uh, no, well, I'm like, story, you know? Why don't you, why don't you start us off on this? What, what, what were your thoughts on last night? I'll just let you, oh, this nice broad question. Tell me your thoughts on last night as a whole, on, on Khabib, on what he did, and I guess on his career. Honestly, I'll tell you right off the bat, it's a shame that uh, this fight didn't have a crowd because I could only imagine that the, uh, the whole effect of just everything happening that night would have been amplified to an extraordinary uh, degree had there been just a massive crowd in there. But it was, I mean, it was a phenomenal fight. I mean, it was, Khabib really came in there and, you know, really... Gave, uh, gave gave to the business. He uh, and it, what a what a great way to end his last fight. I mean, he starts by standing up with Gaethje and giving him like a lot of problems on the feet, really leaving Gaethje, uh, you know, in, in a very defensive uh, position. And I think you know one thing that a lot of casual fans who haven't maybe t- tuned into many uh, get Khabib fights, you know, they maybe didn't realize that his boxing was as strong as it was. He could really. You know, with the threat of his takedowns, I mean, he really, really put the pressure on uh, on Gaethje and, and, and never, never let up. I mean, Gaethje thought had a phenomenal first round. He did everything that a person conceivably can do in a first round against Khabib. Watch for the takedowns, defend, you know, when you can. And he landed shots, you know, when he was able to, but just in everywhere and in every aspect. Khabib is dominant. And, uh, you know, Gaethje had the, the trouble that he had. Then, you know, I don't think there's anyone else out there. I don't think there's anyone else who even comes close. This is a once-in-a-lifetime figure right here. Just an absolute beast in the sport. And, you know, the, the a lot of these Dagestan guys, they're really rising through the ranks. They are really showing some phenomenal skill. But even among them, Khabib rises above he is a once in a lifetime special fighter and you know it's just it's a really great thing that we've been uh, blessed with watching his career over over you know our lifetime yeah absolutely yeah it was uh an incredible performance such a fast pace uh like right off during the first round i mean could was just putting on constant pressure and backing just enough the um one of the things that he did that I think sort of emphasizes his uh, caliber of expertise was like Khabib shot at one point shot in from like six, like 10 feet away. And like it, Justin wasn't even prepared regardless of uh, them being so far and separated. Like you think uh, Justin would have sort of uh, had time to uh, realize that uh, a takedown's coming and, you know, prepare to stop it. But Khabib is just uh, 
another uh, another creature of this earth. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just something else, and I think it's it's the speed in those takedowns, the the ability to just change uh, direction so quickly, the explosiveness, um, and of course. What everyone talks about is his strength, but it, it's really the, the, the technique and the and the tiny, tiny details. He has everything down to a T to the point where he's a, he has a strength of a guy that's 170 or 185, but he has the technique that makes it so he doesn't need to use that strength. Um, and, and he just, mm. he out-techniques you. He doesn't work so hard because he doesn't have to. But in that first round, he did. And to Noah's point, Justin was doing everything he could to be, to just stay alive. Justin, to his credit, I think very much stayed competitive with Khabib that first round. He defended most of the takedowns until the very end of the round. I think he got taken down 35, 40 seconds left in the round. But he was, he was moving around. He was changing directions. He was using a ton of footwork. He was eating up at that leg of Khabib. And they were exchanging on the feet. And it didn't really look like any one of them was winning more than the other. Um, Khabib obviously was putting on the pressure to a major extent. Um, it didn't look like necessarily one of them was winning the striking exchanges, except for maybe Justin with the leg kicks. And for that reason, actually, two of the judges gave Gaethje the first round. Because even mm-hmm. when, Ga- when Khabib got that takedown, um, there were still about 35, 40 seconds left in the round. But he didn't do that much with the takedown. However, just, uh, um, Sorry, Roy, can I just interject really quickly? Yes. Did you notice that when um, Gaethje was finally taken down and uh, against the fence for that last little bit of the first round, it almost looked like he melded to himself like, ah, fuck no i i actually i disagree, I disagree with that but i'm gonna get right back to that yes he didn't do that much with the takedown when he got it so gaethje did win that first round um but what was different about it was that while he was winning he was still looked frantic the whole time he was running away from khabib khabib was putting on the pressure and gaethje was just trying to dance around it didn't look like a pace that gaethje could sustain to be honest even khabib's fit pace didn't look like a pace that anybody could could sustain but khabib didn't look gassed by it he looked like he was able to go like that forever but Gaethje just looked dead. And so what, what Khabib said at the beginning before this fight, he said, I'm going to tire him out. He didn't say necessarily I'm going to tire him out with the grappling. He said his game plan was to tire him out. And that's exactly what he did. He just pressured him. And even though Gaethje got what he wanted for the most of that fight, most of that fight was on the feet. And everyone said, if it's on the feet, it's Gaethje's fight. Gaethje got what he wanted, but Khabib's pressure, even on the feet, was so much that it still gassed Gaethje out to the point where eventually Khabib did get the takedown partially as a result of of Gaethje just not having quite the same power and explosiveness as he did earlier and eventually got the finish as as a result. It's that pressure that Khabib puts on you that's just unrelenting and impossible to stop. Uh, I actually agree with, with Noah that I think every single opponent that Khabib faces has that moment of like, oh, this is this is what everybody means by the Khabib pressure. I think the the Dagestani uh, wrestling is just something not from this earth, and everybody that faces it is just thrown off their feet. No matter if you know there's somebody with the wrestling credential like Justin Gaethje, mm-hmm. um, or just that you know they have good grappling in general. I think they're just surprised every time, no matter what, because his entire life is just bad wrestling. Mm-hmm. And Khabib opens your third eye. You like learn some shit when you fight him. You <laughs> yes, really yeah. Like, like you can see like through time and space and see just that you are just so insignificant in comparison to the god. Who? What do you guys think? Do you you think that Khabib is the greatest of all time? I think it's a tough one. I think this is 
I think what you're what you're descri- describing there reminds me a lot of what everyone says about the Gracies, um, about uh, and about about these real real extreme black belts. Like everyone says, oh, there's black belts in jujitsu, and then you go in with these one of these Gracies or one of these um, just those 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 world renowned top top guys, mm-hmm. Damian Maya level guys or above him even. Um, I don't know why I can't think of anyone. Ryan Hall, for example. Um, and you realize that you are nothing. And I think Khabib is that, but with the MMA wrestling, BJJ, everything, this is the, the MMA grappling. And I think it's just that one of those fields that hasn't yet been, it doesn't have the development that even BJJ has. BJJ is relatively new. It's like a hundred years old, not even. Um, but even M- MMA grappling is is way newer. You can say it's 15, 20 years old. So it's just... It, 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 it's, it's just he's such a higher level in that one field that it makes it puts him so much so much higher above everyone else it's almost like uh hoist gracie and it's like it's hard to call hoist gracie the best of all time but in that era he was essentially like you, you weren't going to be able to beat hoist gracie because you didn't have yeah. that bjj is that there's that one field that he's going to be able to take you into at one point and he's so much better than everyone else. It's going to happen. But I don't know if you can call him the best of all time. It's just that in that era, there's there's no way to beat him because there's this, he just has this knowledge that no one else has the has the access to. Almost. I, I got a good uh, transition up my sleeve. I, I like the way that GSP puts it. He says there's like a goat for um, uh, like many different eras throughout fighting, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you're saying, really. Yeah. Like. John Jones was, you know, considered the GOAT when he knocked out Cormier. Um, and now GSP thinks that, you know, Khabib is the GOAT for what he's doing right now. But that status can't, you know, be the same across eternity. So you kind of have to pick and choose different times when fighters sort of excel in their area. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I mean, if we're, if we're going to get really technical, I, I do agree that the, the, uh, the GOAT conversation is very dependent on, you know, your, your, the time with which you're you're fighting you know you really can't compare you know like so one of the greatest guys of uh you know ufc let's say before ufc 100 to some of the greatest guys out there now but the goat conversation is a is a fun one so i like to you know i like the novelty of the conversation i I don't like to shut it down with the uh with the little time is maybe a, a bit of a more relevant conversation than that, that that is on that same tone or on that same note. Is he then the pound for pound number one today? Not maybe not pound for pound of all time. We might not have we might have might have issues with that question. Is he now ranked above specifically John Bones Jones? And I'm going to actually yes. start off with this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say I think he is. So if if you're going to look at totality of career. I actually can't give it to Khabib as dominant as he was. He wasn't, he just doesn't have the, the same extent of time that John Jones has. And in, in fact, I would argue if you look at John Jones and if he had retired, I maybe let's say right, right around the Gustafson fight, he would have had the Khabib career and we would have said, Oh, he's Khabib. And now he's just kept on fighting and eventually people are starting to catch up and he's looking beatable. He still hasn't even been be- being beaten, but he's looking beatable. And I think that's what that might have been what happened if Khabib kept on fighting like John chose to for another 10 years, however, or another five years even. However, John Jones has been declining, as I just mentioned, in recent years, he has looked beatable. So if you're going to look at pound for pound in 2020 right now, 
John Jones look, looks beatable. Khabib does not. And so for that reason, you have to say that he's better than, than John Jones right now. But in totality of career, I have to edge it to John Jones. Well, see, here's something I don't have you take into account in your analysis, like the, the many, many times that John Jones has been caught using performance enhancing drugs. That again, and- right now versus all time. And I think performance enhancing drugs, I, I do think there is something to be said about it is likely that a lot, especially back in that era, most of who he was fighting was were also on performance oh, enhancing I, drugs, I, I, right? People, and so people at the top tend to be on uh, on you know performance enhancing well, drugs, but I especially think back even, then. But but Khabib, I don't think is someone you could accuse of that. He's he does not partake in substances uh, in any way, shape, or form that we know of. I I would be <laughs> that we know of, sure. But I highly Khabib is not the kind of guy who puts on a persona. He's not a character. He's Khabib through and through every day. He's not going to act on one hand like he's like the, this, you know, extremely religious, you know, guy who doesn't partake in any major vices. You know, he's not going to, you know, portray himself that way and then, you know, not actually act that way in real life. I, I mean, do you guys think he would? I, I think that Khabib is Khabib. Oh, I don't think he would necessarily. I mean, I, I think that's a whole other conversation to have about how much is our drugs really in sport versus how much are they caught? I, I think it's a really interesting, but really, really long. And I think we're actually very much under educated on that matter. Habib specifically, yes. if under the guise of what we kind of see today of, of how much we expect performance enhancing drugs to actually be part of the, of sports, um, I would say definitely he, he'd be one of the guys that would be very much clean it's possible that there's just everyone's on it and we don't know about it. And in which case I'm sure he's no different, but I think if under the guise of today of what we think is going on and almost nobody's on it, then yes, definitely. He's a clean, clean athlete, but I still don't know how how to compare him against Jones full career wise. Oh. It's so difficult. 14 title defenses, dude. 14 I know. you mean depending his title since he was 22 it's unbelievable how dominant like Jones dude had been for the amount of time but i first off, i think that if you're looking at total career fights if you're just comparing fight to fight i think that khabib has more fights where he's looked more dominant mm. john jones has had several close fights against who but look but khabib, no 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 that's not what i'm asking khabib, who has khabib had not what i'm asking against who has khabib had those those fights Khabib has only has only fought against four about I'd say five top guys: Connor, Poirier, Gaethje, Barboza. Uh, who else? Am I missing somebody? Michael Johnson, and I Johnson. guess. And Johnson and Iaquinta. Johnson and Iaquinta are not even I'd say the top top level. So he's, he's two top I mean, level guys and four elite guys. That's something that's arguable. He's fought four elite. I'd say four to six elite guys. Okay, say that. Keep it that way. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Jones has been fighting elite guys since he was 22. Again, he's fought, you know, Glover Teixeira, Vitor Belfort. He fought Chael. He fought, um, he fought, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, I got, I'm, I'm forgetting everybody right now. But Jones fought more of those top guys. And then only after he fought maybe seven, eight of them did he start to look beatable when he started fighting Gustafson and he started fighting Cormier. And we know about all the ridiculous bullshit he's doing on the side that, Khabib is definitely not. And, he, and despite right. that, he's still being so dominant 
coming in hungover, essentially. I think that there's also something to be said for, I mean, the quality of each individual fighter. I mean, not to say that light heavyweight fighters aren't, you know, absolute monsters, but lightweight is like arguably one of the, one of the deepest, you know, fields within the UFC. Each individual person that he beats presents what to like most fighters would be an absolutely insurmountable challenge. But back then it was the same. Back then, who was he fighting when he was coming up in the light heavyweight division? He was fighting the legends. I, just, I think that, I think that, that that's, you're making a lot of fair points, but something that, you know, it really comes down to, to me is that I, I don't see Khabib's um, like decline in the same way that um, Jones's decline came. I don't see that coming that like, if he kept fighting, I think that he would look as dominant and not see a decline for many more years. I don't, I think it would, it will take a long long time for people to figure out how to beat Khabib at his own game. I think that if you, if, if we were to, you know, look forward in time, should this happen? And this is just what I think would it would be. I think that we could, that we would look back at Khabib as being more dominant for longer than Jones. I, I'd given himself the, that I, well, look, the, the, the proof is sort of in the pudding, like Jones in his last, you know, three or four fights has, you know, the, the decisions were debatable. You know, he lost a, a bunch of rounds of the fights. Um, some thought he, you know, Reyes won the fight um, back then. Uh, Habib hasn't lost a round. I mean, give the one round to Connor, uh, the third round or whatever that was, but even that's debatable. Like, he has dominated every single minute of the fight that he's been in. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I'm just looking at, at, at Jones's record, right? He comes on, he beats Stefan Bonner, Jake O'Brien, um, has that Matt Hamill win, loss, whatever you want to call it. Brandon Nobody's Vera, whatever. But then look, 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 look. He goes Ryan Bader, not. Shogun Hua, Rampage Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, and then has he, the Gustafson fight. So he dominated all those guys and completely, like, it wasn't even close with all those guys. And then eventually, of course, the Gustafson one was close and then DC and etc. cetera. Um, but like, if he had chosen after the, after the Chael fight, to retire because that maybe was the kind of the same stage in his career as Khabib you wouldn't be saying any of this stuff you wouldn't be bringing up how he then looked beatable later on because he just yeah he stuck he he kept he stuck around and that's what happens when you stick around eventually people are going to catch up and Khabib isn't giving that chance and that's maybe the, the genius of Khabib right he's he's solidifying his status as a goat because he's leaving on top and not giving himself a chance to lose it so he's just we, 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 he'll be forever known as a guy who didn't, who you couldn't win a round against, or he's only lost two rounds now in his career. The guy who just forever looked unbeatable because we didn't wait, he didn't wait around until he was. I think either way, my perspective on the whole pound for pound greatest rankings, I mean, I don't, there's no objective measure of this. I mean, just what happened with Leon Edwards is a, as clear a demonstration of the fact that this is not any objective measure. And I don't think there's any way to make an objective measure of a pound for pound best fighter. So it's all, it all comes down to subjectivity. So, you know, while some people may disagree with me, one thing that also, you know, comes to mind, if, if I'm kind of making the decision between two fighters who I believe are extremely close in terms of their uh, level of accomplishment, if it's between one and two, one thing that I'm taking into account for, which, you know, in general would, would play a pretty low, you know, score into, you know, my decision of who would be on my greatest list when it's so close, 
I'm giving the edge to the guy who I think is a better martial artist. I think that Khabib embodies the just the entire philosophy of martial arts. A humble, you know, man who, you know, he's just, he keeps to himself. He's very stoic. He's very just, you know, he, he doesn't need to get out, go out there and brag. He doesn't need to go out there and, uh, you know, try and insult people or be a, a, a shit disturber. He's just, he's one of the most respectable figures in like all of, all of sport. He's just like, he's nothing if not like a role model. And that really embodies like the idea of what I think martial arts, you know, that's a very important part of the, I think the general philosophy of it. So when I'm looking at two guys who are so close in terms of accomplishment, I'm edging Khabib. And maybe some people will say that that's bullshit and that's unfair, but that's, that's where I land. Yeah, you can argue whether or not that's actually relevant, but if you if you think that's relevant, it's obviously it, it easily goes Khabib's way, right? It's all subjective, I think. Yeah. Just look at Leon, Leon Edwards. <laughs> um, one last thing to mention about this fight. Uh, Khabib did have a terrible camp from the sounds of it. He broke his toe. Um, There's earlier oh, mention yeah. of, it, of it being a foot, but it was a toe. He also had the mumps from uh, according to some reports. Um, and Something I wanted to bring up, uh, I wanted to hear your take on it. Bit of a, it was a bit of a drama before the fight. To me, it looked like Khabib didn't make weight. Um, yeah. It looked like there was a little bit of fishy, funny business going on with the uh, commissioner that did the weights. Um, I don't know if that was intentional, if that was something about the, maybe the, the, the reason they stayed and how big of a, of a financial loss it would have been if he had been off the card mm-hmm. or missed weight. He looked really, so, really relieved, if anything, surprised when mm-hmm. he made it. Though maybe it, that emotion makes a bit more sense when you think of the fact that in his mind, he realized that's the last time I'll ever have to make weight. So mm-hmm. I can actually see that maybe a bit differently yeah. now in, in hindsight. But it, it didn't look like he made weight to me. So can I, I, I'm actually glad that you brought this up because uh, I want to address this because I've seen a lot of people talking about it and I was completely on the train of uh, maybe there's some kind of fuckiness going on here. But I read a series of tweets from, I don't know, some verified account. Doesn't necessarily mean they're true, but, you know, either way, I'm going to express what they said. But basically, they made it uh, quite clear that the weigh-ins that they do in front of the camera, that is not the first weigh-in. They weigh in backstage ahead of time because, it would like, the UFC does not want it to be the case where they are finding out for the very first time that somebody has missed weight right before the like like right publicly they they, they don't want no i think it's more so that that because they have the two-hour window to make weight again that's all that is that it's that that if they have the window they don't want them to come out and then be shown that they had to go and make weight again they'd rather than come out Mm -hmm. late in the thing and look like they made weight the first time and not make it look like they had to go back yeah so had khabib not made weight they would have known about it ahead of time and it would have been demonstrated backstage in a more private way and devil's advocate how did the commissioner know that Khabib wasn't going to make weight and be so quick to go and essentially make it look like he made weight and not let it hit the top kind of thing? Like, in order to do that corrupt, if that was corrupt, in order to do that, let's say, sneaky move where he made it look like Khabib made weight, he had to kind of be aware that was going to happen. And how else would he know if, and other than Khabib maybe missing weight backstage and then being like, no, 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 we, we, we just cut a bit more. And him being like, oh, okay, kind of thing. He had to, some, somehow he had to know 
that Khabib was going to miss weight. And how mm. better way to know than by testing backstage first? Yeah. Uh, listen, I believe that Khabib made weight. I don't believe that this is some big conspiracy, but by, by any means, I don't believe that. But I only bring up corruption given the, you know, long history of corruption within, you know, like boxing is a, is a big, oh, I agree. It, it might, corruption in there. It I, might I don't think that, I don't think that they're going to fake a way in for Khabib or like institutionally allow him to cheat through. Maybe they, maybe they would. I don't know. I'm just, until I see some like, Maybe also, some more concrete evidence of that. If you remember, I don't think that there's some systemic kind of corruption issue here. The UFC is the commission right now. When they're in Abu Dhabi, they essentially are the commission. So they can do what they want. And the fight game is not is no stranger to corruption. So okay, maybe. Listen, the, the poor man had the mumps. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. No, I, at the end of the day, like, I don't think it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take away from his win. It's just an interesting point. Eh, this is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Little, I just, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't, suspect. I wouldn't want to tell our, our wide, vast audience, you know, that Khabib was necessarily cutting weight 100%. You know, there have been some statements made on both sides of, uh, of that as to what happened there. So just, you know, keep an open mind. Yep. Okay, let's move on uh, to our co-main event. So we had Robert the Reaper Whitaker. He took out Jared Cannonier, uh, And it was a three-round decision at the end of the day, but it very much could have been a finish. Um, Rob landed that beautiful head kick right into that third round. He was going for that same combination earlier in the first a few times where he went straight right into the head kick. Um, and didn't land in the first round, but he brought it back in the third, set it up much better. And Sorry, it was a connection problem. No worries. And it I'm was beautiful. Now. It was a beautiful head kick. Um, he uh, looked just very calm and collected. He looked like he knew what was coming. He saw what was coming. Um, he was throwing feints. He was fluid in his movements. And he just looked like the Robert Whitaker of old, the kind of guy that we expected to see against Adesanya the first time out. And according to Dana White, he might have earned a shot against Adesanya again. Mm. What are your thoughts on this fight? Fight was like very technical. I, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I said this last week. I, you know, I was a little bit biased towards Rob, but um, I, I feel that Cannonier like was just missing like one or two fights just to you know solidify him in that top five because. I, I really only uh, accredit the uh, the uh, Hermanson win, um, you know, because the other fight was Silva and uh, David Branch, which, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, solidify your position in the top five middleweight division from those two fights. Um, both fighters did a great job. And, I, you know, I think Cannonier proved that he's there to stay. He has a lot mm-hmm. of potential and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even uh, can fight for the title one day. But um, I think Rob just had a great performance and, you know, I I don't necessarily like his chances second time around with Izzy, but he definitely has a much better shot by, mm-hmm. by far. The way that he's looking now, um, I guarantee he will not show up the same same way as he did the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my concerns are actually with Rob about his chin. So everyone talks about how Rob mm-hmm. has this great chin. I actually think Rob has great heart. Rob does not have a good chin. It's, it seems like Rob has dropped or hurt 
every fight he's in at one point he, he he recovers he fights through when he's hurt he does not give in he has mm-hmm. the heart of a champion but the guy does get dropped every time we saw it even against darren till in the last time out he was dropped in the first round um and and in this fight he was dominating he had cannoneer hurt he almost finished him and then cannoneer hurt him with a jab now cannoneer has heavyweight power and so you can have there's a question about whether you credit that to cannoneer having that heavyweight power at middleweight or if you want to give that to Rob um, and just maybe Rob's chin isn't there anymore. But the fact is that Izzy's going to touch you and he's going to touch you often. And if you don't have the chin to hold up at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of heart you have because when Izzy hurts you, he's going to take advantage and it's not going to stop. Mm. True. Yeah. So I, I definitely think uh, Rob can win. Uh, Rob should win the rematch. Um, and I do think he deserves the title fight against Izzy. He just fought two of the top five. Yeah, so you say you think that Rob will win the rematch? No, I just, no, no, I don't think he will win the rematch okay. against Izzy. Okay. I do think he'll lose it. Sorry. Um, mm. But, but I do think he deserves the fight because yeah, he right. has, he, 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 he mm. was, he was a champion for a decent amount of time. Um, he did, he, he, yes, he lost the belt, but he won two fights quickly after that against two guys who, if they had beaten him, would have been the, would have gotten the title shot. So he definitely deserves it. The pro, the question is just, um, and, and Dana wants to give it to him. Mm. My problem is that Rob doesn't actually seem to be in a rush to fight again, which is okay, right? Respect to Rob, fight whenever you want. He doesn't want to be back though until he says March or April. Izzy, on the other hand, has been talking about maybe even wanting to fight in 2020. I don't see him wanting to wait until March or April for another fight. So, I mean, there's no other middleweight for Izzy to fight. To Mm -hmm. me, this suggests we might see Izzy at 205 against Jan or Izzy at 205 against John Bones Jones. Because, again, I don't see Izzy waiting until April to fight again. Six more months, no way. I think that if we see Izzy fight Jones, I'm inclined to think that it's going to be at heavyweight. I, I think that Izzy would be more cautious towards fighting him at light heavyweight, but I absolutely think that Izzy, I think that Izzy's next fight very well may be a Jan Lukovic fight. Can you explain that? Why, was he, why is he more hesitant at, uh, uh, to fight at light heavyweight than heavyweight? Wouldn't heavyweight favor John more? The, uh, the heavy, well, I mean, light heavyweight's just John's weight class. He's used to lumbering around at, at yeah, but wouldn't you, but wouldn't you want him? Wouldn't you want to force him to cut to two hundred five instead of let him not cut? Like, because Izzy's not cutting anyway, right? So, wouldn't you mm-hmm. want to force John to cut some weight? Just make it a little bit know, harder man. for him. Thinking that the weight cut has absolutely nothing to do with my analysis. It has everything to do with the fact that I don't know. I just figure. You're gonna to want to fight some if you're gonna fight someone and you have the option to not do it at their original weight class where they have all their experience. You know, probably gonna go I, I think with it's the, obvious. the weight class. The, the advantage that Jones has is that he's bigger and heavier. So by going to heavyweight, you're just making that advantage more stark. You're just saying, okay, be as big and as heavy as you want. And I'm not because Izzy no, again is going to be as big as he wants at 205 between the two of them, like in terms of like their length. How how big is their their length? size? I mean, there's a 30 definitely for walk around weight. Izzy's at Izzy walks around around 204. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones walks around around 230 240. So just maybe length wise, they're very similar. I think Jones might actually still have a slight reach advantage, like a couple inches. But in terms of weight, their walk around weight is 30 pounds difference. Again, why wouldn't, if Izzy's at 205, that's his literal walk around weight. He's so comfortable there. Why wouldn't you let Jones go his walk around? Why would you let him go his walk around weight instead of just making him wait, cut some weight, and then go back to his walk around weight? Like, there's no advantage to just saying, here, clearly, don't, don't, about don't. This more than I have. <laughs> I, I'm inclined to think that he would be more likely to fight Jan. Um, 
what well, I mean, uh, John said that he wouldn't cut down to 205. He's working on like his heavyweight mm-hmm. um, body build. And so he doesn't want to ruin that by cutting weight again. That's true. Um, if he fought John, I, I would actually think there's a strong possibility that they would maybe fight at a cash weight at like 220 or something like that. Um, maybe meet in the middle just so that, you know, Izzy doesn't have to put on a ton of weight. That being said, I mean, I, I guess past 205, there's no like really ba- there's no boundary. Uh, yeah, so it's just like it, it's just to keep John from getting too much bigger than him because right, he's going right. to get fucked if he's fighting a 250 pound John because if 250 pound John Jones grabs onto 205 pound Adesanya, I don't care how good Adesanya's technique is because his, his takedown defense is amazing now but it's not good enough to stop a 250-pound John Jones. Are you saying that if that Izzy would go into heavyweight exactly at 205? He wouldn't go above 210. I mean, hasn't, Izzy has fought at heavyweight in kickboxing before. What did, what, what did he fight at then? Like 205-ish. And he weighed in holding a box of donuts. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> that would be the goddamn smallest I, he, heavyweight. He steps on the scale with a box of donuts, high. takes ones out, take, takes one out, bites it on the scale, and, and is like flexing while holding the box. It was great. It's hilarious. <laughs> I would like, think that if he's preparing for Jones for, for a heavyweight fight, I would think that, you know, he'd maybe bulk a little more. Yeah, a little but, bit. But you know, I don't know, Adesanya. I don't know how, 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 you know, he feels in his own body at that weight. So, you know. Yeah, I think I think on the feet it doesn't matter, and that's the thing. When you're funny, this is the man who he's fought heavyweight, but in kickboxing, and I don't think it really matters for Adesanya. He's he's just faster than these guys, and so he's actually okay with them being heavier. They're just slower. It's the grappling mm-hmm. that really changes things, um, and I think that that's what really gives the advantage to to John Jones. I think no matter what the weight class is, John Jones can be as heavy or as light as he wants. He has no chance in a kickboxing match against Adesanya. It's just not mm-hmm. happening. But the second that you take but a 205-pound guy clinging onto you and, and, and pulling you to the ground versus a 250-pound guy is a very big difference, especially when you're the same weight. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, there was just, like, just seems like a couple of hours ago, they reported that uh, Cannoneer actually fractured his arm uh, oh, in the uh, fight with Robert as a result of the very first kick that was thrown uh, by Rob in the fight. Like the head kick? Uh, like a blocked head kick kind of thing? He blocked, says, he blocked it and broke, broke his arm? Cannonier tweeted, and he said, the very first kick he threw broke or fractured my left ulna. Oh my Somebody God. who knows more about biology than me can tell you what an ulna is. It's part of the forearm. Uh, you know, I don't think people consider uh, enough just, like, how much it hurts to block, uh, you know, like a punch or a kick with your arm. I mean, I mean, it's better than the alternative, getting hit in the head. Uh, but, like... Jeez, I mean, like getting punched full throttle in your forearm. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to use my arm for like Forget. a month if that happened. I, I remember um, watching a video with Pat Barry and Rose training, and mm-hmm. Pat Barry was like teaching people in the in his uh, martial arts class how to block kicks, and he was like, "You must put two arms together. If you have one arm, you will break it, uh, and like it gets kicked, like it will be broken. You have to put two. So maybe you know." So this is what Gaethje says. Gaethje's like, my, my bones are dented, are really dense. I'm genetically just gifted with, with really dense bones. And what happens? I come, I fight, and I throw my bones at your bones. My bones are denser. When two hard things hit each other, one of them is going to break, and it's going to be your bones. Well, I'm sorry to tell you guys, but a shin bone's a lot thicker, a lot denser than a forearm bone. And so when mm-hmm. a guy throws his shin at your head, if you, break, if you block it with one forearm bone, you're fucked, my friend. You got to go two. And... That's why it's just, it, these, these attacks 
there's a reason that you're not rewarded for defense in MMA because you don't know even what, de- what defense does. The advantage of defense is that the other guy doesn't get his offensive points and that you don't get hurt. But if you block it, if you block something, you're still going to get hurt. Um, these things hurt. And, and so this throwing volume and just putting on the damage is going to wear guys out and you're going to get the win, even if it doesn't necessarily knock them out, put damage on people, keep attacking them. And eventually they are going to go down or it'll at the very least affect their performance. Like I'm sure it affected Cannoneer's performance in this fight. So well mm-hmm. on by Rob. Good on, good on him. Um, let's move on into the featured bout of the night. We had the towering Alexander Volkov. I think he's 6'6". Or six seven mm-hmm. or something, uh, taking on seven. Walt Walt Harris. Walt Harris, by the way, is it not a short guy himself? He looks short and stocky. He is not. He is six foot five, um, mm-hmm. big man. Uh, it was a great fight. Volkov ended up getting the win. Um, he had that brutal body kick. Second week in a row, we've had a body shot knockout. Um, that front kick to the body. He just had that 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 tip of that toe. I guess that the just that um, what's it called? Wow. The sole of his foot directly mm-hmm. into the sternum of Harris and Harris just went down. He just couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't stay up and you, your body just shuts down when you're hit with those. It's, can you imagine a man with that much length snapping that kick into your midsection? Right. And just hitting you with that very like, 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 you know, right at the, the end of his foot, you know, the pressure that just that oh. very small amount of skin going into your stomach. I mean, that, that force is, has to be immense. And I mean, you heard it. He, uh, you know, it really made Walt Harris, you know, he screamed. I was, he was, he was hurt badly. Okay. Raise your hand if you thought it was a groin shot though, because I totally thought that it was a groin shot. That's how, that's how we reacted. I was all, I was up in the ref's shit. I was like, ref, you fucked up. That was the worst stoppage I've ever seen. I was so (laughs) pissed. I thought that the ref just didn't like fucked up. Let a groin shot go, and then Volkov capitalized, and you know, got the got the knockout. But nope. no, I was completely wrong. Big apologies to the ref. That you know, I had to eat my words when they showed the close up because, god damn it, that wasn't just a perfectly placed. Perfect. Ball. Mm. And, and and that's why people say like, it is not an easy job to be a ref because I don't know mm. what I would have seen if I was there, right? And yeah. you have to make that call in a split decision, and that was literally a fight ending call one way or another. If he had, if he had called that as a groin strike, he would have saved Walt Harris from losing the fight. If he doesn't call it a groin strike, Walt Harris loses. Mm-hmm. What's the right call? We have half a second to make it. Exactly. And he made the right call. Good on him. Well done. Can we just talk about how Volkov looked like, like from the moment that he stepped into the cage, he looked like a killer. Yeah, he, he looked much better. He looked great. He looked confident. He looked like he wanted to hurt someone. And God, he that that back tattoo, that thing, that thing oh, is so nice. Badass. It's Most badass. fighters have shitty back tattoos. I mean, he, he he used to have one. Did you see his old one? He had the stingray on his back. This is a cover up. This is a well, cover up of his old back tattoo, great. which sucked. Well, the cover up is. Oh, great. Yeah. I want to see that trend. I want to see that trend because some of these fighters out there, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, uh, looking at you, Tony Ferguson, for one. You got shit back tattoos. You I gotta, like Tony. No, I like Tony's. I like Tony's I, back tattoo. I, I think it's very like Tony Ferguson. The wings is like Holloway has it too. It's yeah. it's played out. It's played out. 
but they're the OGs. I, they had it first. Remember when Holloway and to myself. Holloway and Tony were supposed to fight at one point. I think they were going to do like an interim or something. And uh, Holloway was like, Tony Ferguson, the type of guy to steal my back tattoo and oh, tell me beautiful. I've just been blessed. Goddamn, that was more Volkov. That was like but, the scariest I've ever seen Volkov. Yeah, so on that mm. note, I was going to say, um, so I was going to, first I was thinking, oh, well, that must be Volkov because Volkov is a boxer. Um, so that must be Volkov when he's not scared of being taken down because Walt Harris mm-hmm. is not going to take you down. But then mm-hmm. I thought, who was his last fight? It was Greg Hardy. Why mm-hmm. was this not the Volkov we oh, saw was- against Greg Hardy? I know Curtis exactly Blades, no? why this wasn't the Volkov was we saw against Greg Hardy. I think, I think because... it was Curtis Blades. I thought it was someone. Oh, I thought Blades fought no, someone else. No, his last fight was Greg Hardy, I think. I thought, right? I thought Blades fought someone else. That's, that's well, the let's look. Either way, either way, to answer your question. Oh, you know, the it, was, reason... it was against, yeah, it was against Blades. You're right. It yeah. was a five-round decision. Mm. And that's the one where, where Blades got tired, is right. Mm. Either way, the reason is Derek Lewis. Volkov is now cautious maybe to a fall maybe he's gotten over it against guys who have big heavy hands Walt who can knock him out in one hit Walt mm-hmm. has big heavy hands that can yeah, knock him out so in one hit that's why I said I think you know maybe this was a great showing that maybe he's you know gotten over that mm-hmm. little that little hump where mm-hmm. he you know became you know maybe a little more timid I think he's gained some confidence he's you know I think he's come back improved I think this was a, a very impactful win for him great finish on one of the biggest fight cards, you know, definitely the biggest fight. Do we know the numbers on this? Was this the biggest of the year? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. He, I have no to imagine that it was. So, I mean, either way, a great finish for him in front of a big audience. Obviously, feel awful for Harris. You know, it, it's a shame. This is his second loss in a row, right? Harris? Yes, the he, second yes. loss in a row. And, uh, you know, pretty, pretty bad finish on this one. So, I hope that he can, you know, get it, you know, figure it out do some good hard training and come back with a, with like a, as good a showing as he possibly can. Most like like next year, next year, obviously he's not fighting again this year. Yeah, I agree. I, um, he, I mean, that's of course, right. There's only two months left. Um, we'll yeah. see. How, I mean, he can take some time off. He has some improvements to make. There's mm-hmm. no, I mean, he's no longer in a place where he's about to make, um, he's about to, 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 to make a title shot or something. Right. So he has some time. Mm-hmm. He can take some time off, uh, improve, get himself to the point where, he's a new fighter when he comes back and can challenge that title again, put on something new, bring some new elements to his game and mm-hmm. we'll see where he can go. He has the athletic talent. He has the potential to do this and he's not that old yet, especially for mm-hmm. the for a heavyweight. So he has some time, let him develop and then come back um, and see where he comes, where he comes or who he comes back as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But big congrats to Volkov. I think this is the best that I've ever seen him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do we have a, a thought of who we want to see him against next? Uh, let me take a quick hop over to the right. He, he called out Rosenstrike. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, that's right. He called it Rosenstrike. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a good fight. Rosenstrike's coming off a loss, right? Him, what happened with oh, him no, he versus JDS? JDS? No, he, he won. Beat JDS. He beat JDS. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see him against uh, – maybe Rosenstrike's a bit of a, a big call out. I would like to see that fight. It would be a really fun fight. I think someone's getting knocked out in that fight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Volkov can, can keep it up for a while. I, but, I wouldn't mind seeing him run it back with Derek Lewis. I think he beats Lewis uh, if they run it back. Yeah, th- that's a good point because I, I would also like to see um, uh, Overeem and Rosenstrike run it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I'd see Overeem, Rosenstrike. Even what if he did Volkov, JDS? That's not a bad idea. 
JDS is spoken for right now, no? Aren't they? They're planning a fight with him with uh, what's his face, the uh, the French guy. Well, Cyril Gone, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's a, and that's a really really exciting fight. Actually, we should we should mention that Cyril Gone, um, who was supposed to be on a on a fight card last week as a co-main event, got pulled out. His his opponent had COVID, I believe. Um, and they're rewarding him as if he won it with a fight against JDS, and that is mm-hmm. quite a big step up for a man who is like five or six and zero. Oh. I think he's six and zero mm-hmm. oh now. He's only had two fights in the UFC. Um, he's shown some really good progression. I believe he fights, he, he trains with Nganu as well, but dang, <laughs> JDS on your, on your 6 and 0, yeah. two fights into the UFC. That's a, that's a hefty, that's a hefty, uh, that's pretty crazy. That's a hefty, hefty I, climb. I actually, I haven't seen any of this prospect. I haven't really seen any, any footage of him, but I'm absolutely put it like betting, putting my bet on uh, JDS. I mean, JDS might have had some, you know, some rough times recently with his career, but I mean, he's he's a killer. When he's on, he is mm-hmm. on. He is a monster. He never doesn't. He never doesn't have a mo at least a moment in his fight where he looks like a monster. He's it's always there. I'm I'm I'm, I'm putting it on JDS. Personally. Insert Francis and Ganu fight. <laughs> Francis and Ganu takes like ev- takes every single monster that's ever every cryptid, every monster that's ever. <laughs> Francis and Ganu is a dementor. No, he's a dementor. All right, remember Harry Potter? He takes your soul. Okay, that's what he does. Oh my! He sucks yeah. out your soul with his. My his... camera is propped against it. Oh, perfect! There you go. <laughs> he's literally Bigfoot. I know that there was a Bigfoot in the past, but Ngannou is literally Bigfoot. Well, speaking of wild animals, uh, <laughs> as a good, this is the perfect transition. Last week, my friends, we had some mention of feral hogs. Cut to last week's clip. I know Noah, you've been talking about this fight for, for, for months, actually. Jacob Malkoon against Phil Hawes. What do you see happening in this fight? Who who do you lean? What are the, what are some of the key uh, key components to look out in Phil Hawes' game? Well, when you're looking at Phil Hogg, you always need to worry because a feral hog is a very dangerous beast. You might never <laughs> know that they're currently a, a big, um, like a big kind of outbreak of feral hogs in the United States. They're following them around in helicopters, having to fire rifles at them. So if his opponent has access to some kind of a flying vehicle and a rifle, I don't like the hog's chance. But if we're talking in like an open field with no vehicles, Maybe a little bit of uh, high what grass cover. What I think hog takes. What about in a cage? Oh, in man. a cage, hog takes every rat every time in the cage. <laughs> yes. So Noah, as you mentioned, in a cage, a feral no. hog takes it every day of the week. Eighteen seconds is all it took for Phil feral haws to knock out. Um, I don't even know who he fought at this point. It doesn't even matter. The Australian <laughs> dude. He <laughs> demolished him. Uh, it looked like he was putting the pressure on from the very beginning, like a feral hog would, stalking his prey. Uh, mm-hmm. And w- the second he struck, uh, it, it put his opponent on off balance, and then he just went in for the kill. All mm-hmm. power, like a feral hog. What a job Phil has. You know, it, it is a, a, an interesting variable to add that his opponent was Australian because... You would think that an Australian would have a better handle over how to deal with a wild animal. That's but true. clearly he was lost in the woods. And he had no lost in the field. You, more need, like. you need the helicopter. You need the helicopter rifles if you want to take out the barrel hog. I mean, yeah, Jacob Malkoon in his name. He was 4-0 and coming in. He is no longer undefeated. He took quite the L on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Hall is actually a rustler, believe it or not. Um, he had, I believe, three shots to make 
uh, to make the squad on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Uh, I think he lost one fight, won one fight, and then the third one, he comes in and he gets a first-round knockout, similar to this one, actually. And he said, I am in the UFC. I don't care. I am stamping my ticket. He made it into the UFC. And then in this fight, that knockout is the second-fastest finish for a middleweight Mm -hmm. UFC debut in history. What a job, Phil Haas. Mm -hmm. Crazy. In front of a huge audience, too. Just uh, (laughs) This has really been the year that stars are made. Sorry, I thought you were making a joke for a second of the, of the huge audience. Oh, yes, it is a huge audience, a huge televised audience. My yes. bad. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what an asshole. Um, <laughs> never mind. I didn't mean any disrespect. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. I don't want, I don't uh, want a feral hog coming after me. That's true. He can definitely outrun you. I can guarantee that. Probably. I'm a shit runner. Um, uh, we had a great uh, headline into the prelims as well. Stefan Struve getting mm-hmm. knocked out. This, the skyscraper getting uh, getting knocked down by Tui Vasa. Mm-hmm. Um, Tui Vasa was going and doing exactly what you would expect the short the short guy to do against the tall guy, the short heavyweights to do against the tall heavyweights, which is come in nice and tight and then go for those huge overhand rights, oh. which you just see that – Volkov, sorry, not Volkov. Uh, Struve leans back and his chin's right there. And if he gets cut with, caught with one, he's out. And it was actually in the end. What happens is that he sees all those overhands, overhand rights. He's got a cover up, and that went right into a big uppercut. And you don't oh see God. a short I'm guy's combat uppercut. Who sees a short guy who's a foot shorter than his opponent uppercutting him? He's uppercutting up here. Okay. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> It was like a Mortal Kombat uppercut. He just launched himself up in the air, and Struve just went flying. He should have done that a backflip. A- just, like, jump into it, do a backflip. What a, a great performance for Tui Vasa, who, a man who very literally said he thought he was fighting for his job here, and he, he yeah, looked like he it. He was. He really looked like it. And, yeah. uh, and what's there to say? Struve is a veteran. You know, he's been around a long time. He's had some times where he's looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, maybe he needs to, you know, consider what he wants to do with his next string of his career. He's taken some awful damage, truly awful damage. He already retired. Like he, That's he's come true. out of retirement once. Like the, and now he, these last two fights, the last two fights to Ben Rothwell, he got knocked out. Right. Was I, it Rothwell? Right. I feel like I, th- I think I think so. Yeah. Maybe when he's in the gym, he feels better. He feels more confident. Like he's using his range better. But God, when he's in the octagon, he just does not seem to like he was I, fighting. He was fighting in Ty's range. No, I, he was I not think, fighting in Struve's range. I, well, he was. Uh, that is true. He doesn't fight. He's never fought like a long fighter, and that's his big problem. And I, that there was that one kick that a head kick he caught. He caught Ty with where he was like a mile away, and somehow just, his leg is so long. He just snapped. But but the thing is, he doesn't put power into it. And if he, if he did, he could have knocked Ty out with that. He doesn't fight long. Um, but to be honest, I thought I expected this fight to be a lot more of a slot fest. It was a lot more technical than I expected it to be. Um, it wasn't super technical, but it was a lot better yeah. than I thought. A lot less sloppy. Um, and the thing is, I think that Struve... For a low rank, for like a low level heavyweight fight. Yeah, I think, look, Struve could have been really good if he fought a bit differently. If he fought like John Jones at heavyweight, that would have been crazy. But he doesn't fight like that. And he no. doesn't have the chin to hold that, to keep him up anymore. And these guys have heavyweight power, every one of them, heavy hands. And he's going to mm-hmm. keep taking damage. Your chin doesn't improve. Yeah, this, this is probably a super, like a super, super dangerous fight for him. But him versus Volkov, just for like the size, because I feel like they fought. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It's like the t- the skyscraper versus the sky skyscraper. Yeah, it, Imagine it, it gets it, to the it, ground. It, they yeah, like Volkov, take off half the octagon. Volkov knocked him out. Knocked him out with a minute and a half left in the third round. Oh, well. oh no! Never mind, never mind. It was a five round fight. It was a third yeah, round. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 they could try and avenge his loss. But uh, Volkov's on a win. Struve is on a loss. Vol- why would Volkov do that? No way. Because because Struve is the only loss that Stipe hasn't avenged. Oh, okay. Oh, you think Stipe can avenge that loss? Okay, let's do yeah. it. I, I'd love to see that. Can you <laughs> imagine? Can you imagine to give Stipe, the rest of us don't? Can you imagine Struve knocks him out again and becomes a heavyweight belt? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's just like whoever gets the cha- whoever gets the title shot first gets to be champion. And then you have Tai Tuivasa coming in, knocking him out. Unreal. Tai Tuivasa, heavyweight champion. I, I do want to go back real quickly because I do want to comment because that head kick that Struve through the Rowie that you brought up, I did was one of the most impressive head kicks I've ever seen because I heard him slide on his foot like he was rollerblading towards Tuivasa before he threw that, that kick. Like he slid on one foot and then kick snapped up. And that was something real. He's really special <laughs> for me to get to watch. Um I had another point, but it, it was lost in my admiration of that uh, of that sliding head kick. Yeah, the, the sliding head kick, the glow of the sliding head kick just just, just blinded you in the mm-hmm. light in its brilliance. Um, and speaking of brilliance, we did have a fight of the night, in my opinion. I think it was actually officially the fight of the night. And Nathaniel Wood against Casey Kenny. Mm-hmm. What a prelim fight. As I mentioned oh, last week, these... I, I actually hyped this up last week. I said, these are two top prospects. They're going to bring it. These guys mm-hmm. both want it. These guys are both not quite as highly ranked as they perhaps should be and mm-hmm. have the, the potential and, in my opinion, will become in the future. Um, I believe Casey Kenny ends up taking this one, but it was a close fight. Um, as a very, very, very quick side note, there was a parlay. Casey Kenny uh, was, part one of this, was part of this massive parlay, a three-part parlay uh for t- where they put twenty two thousand dollars down to win ninety thousand. casey kenny did win the other guy i think it was um i forget even the name the russian guy won as well however the first of the three fights ended up being a draw and the man mm-hmm. lost his 20 grand and his ninety thousand dollar win so sad but this Rough. fight casey kenny nathaniel wood what do you guys think of this i missed the first round so I'll let you guys take over on this one a bit more uh uh, this fight was a was a brutal war going into it. I we saw Casey. It wasn't very long ago that Casey last fight, right? I fought, right? I, I recall watching I, the fight. I think uh, you're right. Not long ago this year, and he looked like a murderer out there. He looked like he was, you know, ready to to kill, and he put on a great performance. So I was very confident in him in the in this fight, which ended up paying off, given that he won the uh, the decision. But um, I actually thought the decision was a lot. It was a lot closer. Then, uh, then you know, I thought the judges made it. I, I was, I thought that uh, uh, Wood had really put a statement there. I think that Wood took round one originally. I thought, I think he had the better of the striking exchanges. I think that two and three are UK. I think that that's fair to give to uh, to Casey. Uh, so, so I, I give him, I give him two and two and three. But it was a really close one. I, uh, I loved that fight. It was the definition of a war. Those guys should absolutely be higher ranked than uh than they are it's a shame that you missed the first round because i really do think that like i i was expecting uh casey to to really put on a hell of a show but he really ran into some adversity in round one he really you know ran into uh, some difficult striking exchanges so um great fight 
absolutely a highlight of my night. This is why you've got to check in with the with the prelims. This is why yes, you've got to absolutely. listen to our perspective on the prelim fights to check in on. You know, not everyone's going to want to watch UFC from 11 a.m. to, uh, you know, 5 p.m. Not everyone's going to want to do that. We do that for you. And we, so, so, you know, you listen to, uh, to what we tell you about the upcoming fights and uh, you'll know what to tune in for, what not to. And if you don't listen to us, you won't know that. And your life will, I mean, I think, be a lot worse for it. Um, just a note, uh, Casey Kenny did indeed fight, as you mentioned, Noah, just three weeks ago. October 5th, he fought against uh, he, he fought. And then in, in addition, so he fought twice in three weeks. And for that reason, this fight was not at 135. It was at a catch weight of 140 because it was not fair to Casey to make him cut weight twice in three weeks. Uh, he couldn't mm-hmm. do that. So he did fight at catch weight. But uh, these are this 135 pound division is just crazy, right? It is just filled with killers we still have think about the fact that sean o'malley is still i don't even i don't, don't even know if he's ranked right now um we've got peter young we've got aljo sterling we've got marlon marais we've got um uh cory sanhagen we've just got killer after killer in this division and it just keeps on getting better i'm excited to see where these guys go where they get to and how this division progresses hopefully we can get some movement on it uh, mm-hmm. hopefully the winner of, of yon and, and aljo plans to defend in the first half at the very least of 2021 if not uh towards the end of the first quarter we love our short kings <laughs> we do love our short kings uh all right so uh that i believe is all there is to say from our perspective about ufc 254 do we have any last notes before we move on from directly the fights we do have some other things that we're going to talk about in the news this week but the fights themselves just a phenomenal night overall just a just, great night yeah you know such a, I, I, again, I'm interested in seeing the numbers. I watched this one with some friends of mine that don't really watch watch uh, UFC, who have complained to me in the past that when I've dragged them along to watching that there have been some boring fights. Mm. But there were just, there were finishes tonight. There were wars. We got every, we got quick knockouts. We got long drawn out wars. We got extremely interesting technical submissions. This was a we got night emotion. All we got emotion, we got emotion, man. Mm -hmm. We got emotion, we got drama. And here's the thing Mm -hmm. I want to actually add in I'm not gonna lie, I'm digging these afternoon cards. I really, really enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I, I, I just love the fact that I could go, I can wake up in the morning, chill for an hour or two, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, set up the TV, turn on the TV, and just chill and watch UFC on my Saturday. And then afterwards, I actually can get some work done, I can play with some friends, I can meet some, meet up with some people, whatever I want to do, you know. It's the getting work done that I, I, I agree. Not so much meeting with friends nowadays. Yes, but regardless. But I, defi- I definitely like that, you know, the fights end and I can get to and I can get to, to work as a student rather than the fights start and that's it for the rest of my night. So yeah. You can get work done earlier in the day on the, in those cards. So I guess it's, it's pick you your can, poison. The, it's the anticipation. That's How true. can you work with all that anticipation? That's very true. That's very true. Well, speaking of anticipation, the hype train is back december 19th hamzat chemayev is going to be fighting against leon rocky edwards so there's a bit of drama actually i'm going to set this up leon edwards was uh has been rejecting fights left right and center he was he rejected this fight initially he rejected a fight against stephen wonderboy thompson um he has not been accepting fights the ufc as a response took him out of the rankings quite the power move they said it's due to uh inactivity but really it was because he was rejecting fights so he said you know what 
fuck it. You want me to fight? I'll fight the guy that nobody wants to fight. Hamzat, bring it on. They brought him back in the rankings. He's right back in it. And Hamzat is getting his shot against not just a top 15 ranked opponent, not just a top 10, but a third ranked opponent. And oh my gosh, first of all, have we ever seen anyone rank, uh, sorry, rise to the rankings this quickly? Greg Hardy comes so. to mind, I guess. No, no, no. Are you kidding me? Dude, Hamzat debuted in August or July, and he's now fighting the number three ranked guy in December in a main event. In I, I five mean, I, I months? Mean, the turnaround, obviously, there's a the turnaround time, but I mean, like, in terms of having very few fights before having been given an immense, immense top five top 10 no, challenge Volkov was like a Volkov was like ranked nine and he was like his fourth was, fight wouldn't he like seven wouldn't he seven whatever I might be wrong whatever, that's like way, his that's fourth what, fight that's, that's, that's the closest comparison that comes to mind for me recently maybe the closest but man fourth fight to get number three ranked guy no, it's absolutely unprecedented gotten don't that. get me wrong we've never seen anything like this I don't think I think the only person that can compare him to is John Jones coming in walking through everybody nobody looks like he, they can touch him goes straight to a title shot and Maybe we'll see what happens if he, if he does a John Jones like thing, but that would be even crazier nowadays with the, with the division that we have now. With to do what he's done to the other guys, if he could do that to Kamaru, <laughs> I, I I have a very difficult time seeing that. Yeah, you know, no one can do that to Kamaru. I, I think that Kamsat has had extraordinary exhi- exhibitions of his of his skill fighting against guys who are just not up to par with his level of skill. There is such a vast ocean of difference between the guys he was fighting and the number three ranked welterweight fighter in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, first off, I, I mean, we've seen some, some excellent footage of Hamzat, but his fights haven't gone long enough for me to really get an idea of how he's going to perform against somebody who for is anybody. At, for uh, you, yeah, for against ev- anybody, but against someone mm-hmm. who is at a significantly higher level of skill than the people he's been fighting. Honestly, I mean, with that, with the information that we have, I have, I'm absolutely giving it to Leon because I don't, I think, I mean, how could you give it to Kamsop given what, what we know about the two of them, you know, together? I mean, it, big hype train, sure. But I mean... He's the number three guy in the world. That means something. That means I agree absolutely. I think it's it it it's really quick. I I I'll be honest. I'm not even mad. Mm-hmm. I think he almost. I I can almost argue he deserves this kind of a test. But I don't think it is wise for anybody to realistically say he should be the favorite. You can you can even say I I have a feeling he's going to win because he could. And yeah, from what we've seen, he's been amazing, yeah. but we just haven't seen much is the problem when we have nothing to, no evidence to say that he actually could beat Leon, but we just don't have no evidence contrary. So we just don't know. The safe bet is Leon Edwards, but shockingly, Hamzat is a minus 135 favorite. So disrespectful. So disrespectful. The sharp money is going to come on Leon for sure. All the sharp money is going on Leon. I mean, the odds will change as the fight gets closer. Absolutely. I would be shocked if on the night of the fight, if Leon isn't the favorite, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, unfortunately we just haven't seen enough of comes up that we can really like give a, 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 an in-depth like analysis, I guess, of what, of what could happen. But I just, I just think that it's not going to be, e- this is absolutely going to not, not going to be easy for Hamzat. And if it is, 
then he's getting the next title shot, no question. Yeah. But I think that this is going to make or break the hype train. And, you know, depending on his performance, he will be given a spot in that top 15, you know, depending on the performance. But uh, I don't know. As a consumer, as somebody who's watching the sport, I love it. I'm excited for this fight. I want to watch it. As somebody who's like, you know, likes to also critically analyze what's going on within the world of UFC, this is bullshit. This, this, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is not the one Everything bullshit. surrounding the creation of this fight is total bullshit, total like Dana White strong arming people into, yep. you know, positions that they don't want to be in. And, um, you know, but hey, silver lining was we get a uh, an exciting fight. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about this fight itself? Who do you favor in this fight? What do you see happening? I I don't know. I just I feel like it's going to lean towards Hamza. To be honest, oh. Leon's been in inactive for a while, um, and I think it his actions over the past two years have kind of showed in his character a little bit um i mean him taking the fight is like it's quite a big deal and that shows that you know leon's willing to fight anybody but it kind of seemed that you know him uh waiting to fight and waiting to get a title shot kind of characterizes that you know he doesn't want to risk losing his title shot which is a fair thing to do and it's what i would do you know i don't know if i was so far up there in the rankings i wouldn't want to risk anything um but I, th- I think that kind of shows in his character a little, a little bit. And I don't know, I just have a feeling that... I think from the beginning, we, we've noted that this, uh, this, this, this Hamzad is uh, quite the character and um, he's got lots of potential. And I, yeah, I think he's going to have a big upset. I, that's mm-hmm. actually a very good point to look into the, into the thought just... process of Leon. Just thinking about exactly like he doesn't necessarily seem like he's out there looking just to beat anybody up. He's thinking about this politically. He's thinking about where is my position in this? Is it worth it? And he might be coming into this fight thinking, this guy is all hype. Fuck this guy. He's mm, not right. going to be hard. I'm above his class. He's never fought anyone like me. And he's not going to be a challenge for me. I just got to go and do, take care of business and get out of there. And he might not take him seriously. He can't do that. He can't. He, no way. That, I mean, even, even, the, even the mighty can fall. GSP is the biggest example I can think of of not taking someone seriously. And getting beat by someone who, relative in skill level, is like an sure. amateur. Or shouldn't so, be him. Yes. So he's got to take this absolutely seriously. And um, God, I, I wonder, I wonder if if what's more, what should, what is genuinely more important, not more important in Leon's mind to Leon, but what's more important to his career objectively, um, maintaining his number his position where he's like so close to a title shot uh and and potentially you know because he he could lose that for Mm -hmm. very little reward from this fight but uh in contrast i I think that very important to his career right now what he needs is a little boost in terms of star power in terms of name recognition and Mm -hmm. you know there just because you have a title it doesn't mean you have strong name recognition it doesn't mean that you're famous by any means i mean that's just that's just the way it is. Um, so I think that a fight with this huge hype train, who is, I mean, widely popular, even without like outside of like main, like in terms of UFC, like I've seen this guy promoted on like Instagram all the time. People mm-hmm. like know this guy. My friends who don't watch fights know this guy. They don't know Leon Edwards. 
Well, so, so I think that this fight is going to give him, especially you know, if he wins, you know, huge star power for him, puts him in the position where maybe, I don't know if the next fight after this would be a title shot or if he'd need to fight one more like number, like number one ranked opponent or something for a title shot. But I think that ultimately this fight, if he gets the win, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's better that for him than if he say got like a title shot right now against Usman. Well, so, okay. So there, I'm actually going to disagree with you on that last point, but what I was going to say first, before that, even um, in general, he is going to lose. Like you were talking about him having to maintain that spot. And if he fights, he's risking that spot. But you do realize that every minute he doesn't fight, he's still losing that spot. Mm-hmm. If you don't fight for two years, you're not going to stay the number three contender. He just lost his spot in the rankings, in fact. So Dana forced his hand in that matter and said, well, I'm going to artificially lower that even faster than it was already going down. But guys are going to go and be ranked above you if they're fighting and you're not. And on that point, you look at Colby Covington. He should have gotten that title shot uh, last year. He didn't get it. So he said, fuck it, I'll fight Robbie Lawler. And then he got it. You have mm-hmm. to sometimes, when you haven't fought in a while, even if you might deserve it, if you haven't fought in a while, you're going to have to fight sometimes. Yeah. Um, you can't just hold out forever because you are forgotten. And there was yep. more hype on Leon's name a year ago than there is now because he hasn't fought in more than a year. Um, and so, yeah, you have to fight a guy like Hamzat. Now here, unfortunately for him, I don't even think that he's going to get the title shot off a win on Hamzat because if you no. look at it, if they're going to have the Masvidal against Colby fight, they'd rather have the winner of that fight. However, mm-hmm. um, if he can get a statement win, he can put himself at least in that, in that talking point and maybe be the, get the title shot after Masvidal Colby. But again, he might have to take a fight in the interim to keep his, himself and his name big enough mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. deserve it. Um, and I'm I think that's what he has to think about now. He's just waited too long, and now he has to take this fight that won't earn him a title shot. Now, mm-hmm. the last question I'm going to ask you guys, what's... So Leon was in a position where actually, when you think about it, he had a choice. He chose Hamzat over Wonderboy Thompson. You just totally made me think of those Brian Ortega ads. He had a choice. <laughs> he had a... <laughs> Leon Edwards had a choice. Take on Hamzat the Wolf Tremayev or Steven Wonderboy Thompson. And he chose Hamzat from the looks of it. Hamzat is a smaller, is a, not, not even close to ranking of, of, of Wonderboy, not even close to the amount of, of, he's, of time, he's on rank. but maybe he has a bigger name, right? So who, and, yeah. and, 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 but who knows who's an easier fight? He could be a much harder fight, much easier, but we don't know. Do you think this is mm-hmm. the, the right move by Hamzat to choose, uh, sorry, by Leon to choose Hamzat over Wonderboy? It's kind of like um, Corey Anderson choosing to fight Johnny Walker a little over bit. Over who? No, no, but Corey Anderson chose to fight mm. uh, Johnny Walker because he wanted to derail the hype train and, you oh, know, prove that. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of think it's similar to that. That's why Leon chose, chose him. Yeah. That's why um, what I mean, think is easier. What do you think is a better move? It's not easier. It's a better call overall. Oh, the better call. Popularity, uh, <laughs> ranking, ease of the fight, everything you want to say about it. I think Hamza. Uh, you think Hamza, Adam? I think, I think the popularity is worth it. I think Hamza is actually the harder fight because really? due to the fact that there's so little uh, footage uh, based on him. You don't know what tricks he's got up his sleeve. Maybe he's got some weird cowboy Russian wrestling we haven't seen and, you know. 
know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, it, the, it's like you know what you're getting with Wonder Boy, but the thing is with Wonder Boy yeah. is that you it's hard to look good against Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy is that yeah. guy that it, it's just like no matter whether you beat him or lose to him, you look at Darren Till who beat him, looked bad against him. You look mm-hmm. at you look you look at at um at Woodley his his fights with him never looked good, um looked boring. But that's the way you have to fight him against Hamza. Yeah. We don't know yet. You might be able to go and, and get after it. Um, and 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 so it'll be. It might be better for Leon. Of course, uh, Showtime Pettis is the exception to that, though he did lose a whole fight before he knocked him out. Mm-hmm. All right. That being said, let us jump back into the UFC 254 conversation a little bit. So as we know, Khabib retired, and the big news of that means. Uh, sorry. In addition to, of course, his, his retirement, that means he is giving up his 155 pound belt which of course means that belt is now vacant and on the line for whoever the ufc decides to give the shot to get it for Mm -hmm. uh that sentence made no sense but you guys know what i'm saying so (laughs) so uh what is next for that belt there are a couple thoughts the prevailing thought seems to be that in january when mcgregor fights poirier the 155 pound belt might be on the line but other players in this conversation include Gaethje include Michael Chandler and include Tony Ferguson what do you guys think should happen with a 155 pound belt Adam let's start with you this time um in a dream world I'd love for there to be some sort of you know tournament going on I mean the UFC doesn't really do that but at least some sort of uh you know contender fights Mm -hmm. uh I guess four men makes makes the most sense you know probably leave it's a tough choice because I don't know if I would include I would have Chandler fight Tony or if I would have Gaethje fight Tony again but I mean like it's tough um but I know for sure that fight in January will be for the title I I don't think uh anything else I I know that they want Carter to be champion that's what's most uh, lucrative for them so I have no doubt that that will be the title fight Mm -hmm. okay then what are you doing to set it up on them in the meantime sorry sorry no I'll go go right, right after who do you, what do you have set, setting up while you have that title fight? Like, what other fights do I make? In, 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 yeah, as like the follow-up for that title. So you have that title fight. What happens with everybody else? What, what's in, going on in the background? Um, I, would have, I would have Chandler fight Tony. And that's the number um, one contender belt? Yeah, and that, that's the number, number one contender fight. I would have Gaethje probably fight Hooker or maybe uh, DuBronx or something like that. Uh, either one of those guys. Great. Uh, but I would have Chandler fight Tony. I think, you know, it, it showed a lot of character, him coming to UFC 254, weighing in. Um, I think he's a good addition to the UFC. I really like him. And, you know, I think he deserves uh, a shot right into the, you know, top five, top three, my, uh, being, the, you know, the former Bellator champion. So I think there's uh, some good fights for him. Yep, we just lost your video. Um, oh. And Benoa Sada, what do you think? There you go. Um, yeah, I think that the title shot is going, the title's going to the winner of Poirier, um, Connor. I think that the UFC, as Adam said, they want Connor to be the champion. They, oh, they want Connor to hold as many belts as he possibly can so that he can be on camera as often as they can possibly get him. Is that the right Um, move? Um, you know, I think this is one of those rare situations where the move that they will make is also the move that they should make. Um, I think that Poirier and Connor absolutely are both, I mean, extremely high, like the highest level fighters in the the division, arguably. And I think that this is the fight that makes sense. Running it back absolutely makes sense. Um, And 
I mean, I struggle to think of a situation that makes more sense. I mean, Justin, I think can, you know, should get the opportunity you know, maybe for a rematch with Poirier as well. But um, yeah, I don't think that it makes sense for Justin to get that title shot again immediately. Um, just given that, you know, it just happened. I don't think that he should, even, even if it is maybe against a different opponent, I, I think that he maybe needs uh, at least one more, uh, one more fight before that. Um, maybe against the loser of Connor Poirier. Um, Tony, I think, I think Tony and Chandler makes uh, a lot of sense. It's sad for me to see Tony be relegated to the point of, you know, the guy who beats the, uh, the hype train coming in. Um, but I mean, I don't want to see Tony rematch with Gaethje. Not yet. Not for a long while. Let him win first. Let him win first. Um, and even if we see when Tony, where Tony's at, I mean, uh, that's a tough fight to call. I mean, it, there were some close moments. I mean, I know that uppercut that Tony threw that knocked down Gaethje. Gaethje had said like, if that the bell saved him there, he would have been out. So, but like, otherwise he was pretty much dominating on the feet. Um, and then against, I, 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 I would be interested in seeing uh, Tony fight either Connor or, uh, or Poirier, but I, I, I mean, he needs, we need to see exactly where he's at before he gets close to a title shot again. Uh, so this Chandler fight makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think it's too complicated what they what would like and what they should be doing. Belt goes to the winner of Poirier Connor, loser of that fights Gaethje and winner of that maybe fight for the belt. So that's where it gets complicated for me. So I think I, I am agreeing with you guys. I think we're all in agreement. Connor, Connor Poirier for the belt. But I don't, I think there's a lot of, it's not as as, as simple as you say, Noah, for what's after. Because let's say, first of all, Gaethje already said he wants to be back in six in six weeks. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to give him six weeks, maybe 12. But he's not waiting for the loser of Connor Poirier. When you lose a fight, Connor or Poirier, it's a five-round fight. You're either getting knocked out or you're going through a war. And you're not mm-hmm. going to come out ready to fight Gaethje in less than three months. Which that's means true. Gaethje will be on the, on the fence. Will, sorry, will not be fighting for six months. There's no way that's happening. So Gaethje against the, the loser is not happening, in my opinion. I do see potentially, if Poirier wins this, I can argue giving Gaethje the Poirier rematch for the belt. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm actually okay with Gaethje getting one more fight. So I would say uh, one interesting thing to do that would leave the UFC with options. Because I think if you go, if you go um, as we kind of mentioned, with Chandler against Tony, you almost have to give the winner of that the, um, the, the, the title shot. Um, but if you want it, but then it kind of leaves Gaethje out of the out of the mix um, and doesn't give him a chance back in. It kind of kind of leaves Dubronx out of the mix. What I think the best move might actually be that gives them the most number of options, highest number of options, is you go Gaethje against Chandler and Tony against Dubronx. So if Connor wins, you can uh, you can give him the winner of, of of Gaethje and Chandler. That's an easy one. Or the winner of Tony. You can actually give him whoever's most impressive out of those out of the two winners on those fights. That's easy. If, if Poirier wins, you give him either Gaethje if Gaethje wins for sure, or you give him the winner, or, or you can give him really any of the other three guys. You really, it gives you as many options as you can possibly have, as well as taking care of essentially everybody. The only person that kind of leaves out is Dan Hooker, but Hooker is coming off a loss. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and yes, so is Gaethje, but it's against Khabib. So I think all the other guys, and Tony against Gaethje. So against all the, uh, all the other guys kind of are one shot away or one fight away from the title shot. And I think matching those four up and then maybe giving, um, giving, uh, I guess, I think they're even talking about hooker against Diaz. Uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. 
and and, and 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 essentially everyone's taken care of at that point and it gives the ufc so many options after the poirier connor fight to match up whoever they want according to timeline um and when they're ready and how impressive they were uh let me ask you let me ask you this do you think that it, this in any way throws a wrench into uh into things in, into the details of this uh kevin lee is now it seems like he's seeking out and uh, calling out tony again once Why? Back their, uh, their fight. kevin lee hasn't, hasn't won at 155 in like three years yeah. Oh, never mind. He, yeah. Won, he, never mind. he knocked out. Uh, he knocked out. Um, what's his name? Gregor Gillespie. Yeah, but Dubronx is speed him. No, I, I I give Dubronx the Tony fight before I give Kevin Lee the Tony fight, given that Dubronx just beat Kevin Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you need to give a Tony like top three. You, you or Dubronx. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's listen. I I love uh, Charles Oliveira, and I or think Chandler. he has a lot to offer. Yeah, I I think you got to give him Chandler. That's what I'm saying. Um. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, no, you were saying before that Chandler's, you know, you can maybe label him a, a, as a bit of a hype train, but I, I think like some of it is certainly credited. Like oh, on yeah. his resume, he is three time Bellator uh, mm-hmm. lightweight champion. Hype train doesn't mean there's no substance there. Right. Yeah. True. Say. Yeah. Can I make a prediction actually That's that um, Connor and Poirier will fight for the title? Connor will win and then he will fight Usman. Mm. That's my prediction. I haven't heard anybody uh, suggest that. That is uh, is interesting. That's a meal for Usman if I ever heard of one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and the UFC, if Connor, if Connor were to be like, if he said he wanted to do that and he was serious, they'd absolutely, absolutely, they're giving him that. If they want want it, they want Connor, like I said, to hold as many belts. He wants it. Yeah, they they can. Yeah, they would love a second, especially with losing Khabib which I'm sure, which like it was like a surprise for Dana and I'm sure like a serious blow to him. Getting Connor back on top of things and on camera, that's going to be, that's that's a phenomenal draw for him. So he's, he's going to go for that 100%. All right. Well, um, let's move on to next week's card. Next week's card looks pretty fun. It's got some great oh, actually, on it. Oh, I, yep. I just want to interject. Last point. Um, or more than the, one. <laughs> uh, the one thing we didn't touch on was my uh, th- there was talks of you know before this fight happened of Khabib fighting GSP. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know now the fight is probably uh, not 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 uh, within reach anymore, mm-hmm. considering that Khabib retired. Still a fight that I want to see. Um, yeah. I don't know what you guys think about it. I I know uh, GSP in his interview with Talwani yesterday said that you know mm-hmm. he, he would be interested if it was offered to him, but yeah. I guess it's with, yeah. not within the realm of possibility. You know, GSP was doing the uh, he was doing uh, commentary on the on the French uh, broadcast yeah. mm-hmm. on the fight. Yeah, uh, so I, good for him moving up in the world to the admin position. No, for sure. I, I look. I, I to answer your question, Adam. Um, yeah, like obviously, I would be really interested in that fight, but I, I'm not even thinking about it because it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was going to happen. Yeah, no. I, I think regardless oh, of whether or not it was going to, I think it had it had legs. Dana was going to give him whatever he wanted, but I think it's just not going to happen anymore because Khabib's not going to come back. He said he's yeah. not. He said he's not going to come back because his mother asked him to. Mm. He's not coming back. There's no way. No, no way. No. You can't uh, break a promise to your mother. Yeah, not definitely not Khabib. Well said. Very true. Um, all all right. Right. So, so on next week's fight, it is headlined by the finale of quite a legendary career. Anderson Silva, the spider, will be making his final walk in the octagon, his final fight, um, at least in the UFC, and it'll be against Uriah Hall. 
So it'll be a very fun fight, right? Both these guys are flashy strikers, have some feints going, have some speed going, um, some spinny shit, of course, in the Uri- in Uri- Uriah Hall's uh, case. But I don't. I I, I still got to be honest. I d- I think they could have done better for Silva's last fight. Um, of course. I even think that, like, yeah, you I, like you could build the guy off him. I don't think Hall is even the guy to build off of him. But at the end of the day, it's a good fight. It will be a really fun fight, and I'm excited to see what happens. I actually don't know who I favor in this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Silva, he's still got it. I mean, he's still got it. I mean, like that, you say what you will about the Adesanya fight, but, I mean, Silva still presented some, some you know, really excellent striking. And, I mean, his, his head movement and his do- ability to dodge may not be where it once was, but it's still there. And that means it's still better than, like, the majority of fighters in the UFC, his evasiveness is legendary. In fact, the UFC just posted today uh, on their channel, the free fight uh, classic, absolute classic of uh, Silva versus Forrest Griffin. Mm-hmm. I recommend everybody to go watch that and see just how absolutely untouchable Silva looked in his, uh, in his prime. You know, people, I don't know, people might forget, but Silva was pretty undisputed, the greatest of all time for Y'all his era. Y'all must have forgot. Exactly. And uh, God, I, I'm, you know, this was an emotion. This this week, this last uh, last fight card was a whole lot of emotion, and we're following it up with just another humongous retirement of somebody who, in terms of legend status, I mean, Khabib's a legend, but Silva is a legend. Mm, he is absolutely. the arguably the greatest to ever do it. I know we're talking about timeline, blah blah blah. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I would not be afraid to say that Silva is or is deserving of that reputation of the greatest to ever do it. You can't Just have everything look like child's play. You can't have the conversation without John Silva and Khabib and GSP. Those four GSP. names. Three of whom that's the Mount Rushmore of UFC. And and, and it's it's just hilarious because those four were the four that we've been discussing today. In fact, we've we've spoken about all four of them. Um, and they're all kind of still relevant in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Silva, GSP, everyone but GSP is still fighting. I get this could be no no longer, but there was Mm -hmm. talks about all all four of those fighting this year in theory. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Legends. Um, do you guys have a do you who do you think who do you call winning this fight, Adam? Who do you lean? Uh, I'm going to say Silva by decision. Yeah, uh, if it's Silva's by decision, I can see Uriah Hall has some power, and Silva's been a little bit, he hasn't been able to handle the power. Kenanir got him with a leg kick knockout. I mean, he he doesn't, he's not quite as durable as he used to be. Um, yeah. He's an old man, and so I can see Uriah Hall putting some damage on him, especially in a five-round fight. I'm not sure I can see Silva lasting five rounds anymore. So for that reason, I'm actually going to edge out Hall. I think in a three-round fight, I think Silva would, could win it. But I think in a five rounder, I, I can see Hall at the end of the day. Um, he, he he's not threatened enough by Silva's power. I don't know if Silva quite has the mm-hmm. power he used to. But he has the trickery. All, all I want to see is a respectful fight. I want to see there you know respect. two honorable guys going in there, giving it their all. And as long I just want to see Silva, I, you know, I just want to see him walk out of there satisfied with the career that he's had. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, our co-main event, if I'm being honest, is actually what I'm most excited about. Andre Touchy Feely is going to be taking on my boy Bryce Mitchell. This is such an exciting fight. Andre Feely, by the way, Max Holloway does this before the Volkanovsky fights. When he was asked about who's the, the hardest 
fight he's ever uh, fighter he's ever, ever ever fight against or the hardest fight he's ever had he said was against Andre Touchy Feely. Andre mm-hmm. Feely has tremendous power. He's very quick. He's very elusive. He's coming off a win over Charles Do- uh, Jordan. Um, he did lose to Sadiq Youssef right. earlier in 2020, but uh, Sadiq Youssef himself is very, very good. Before that, he has win. He has a KO over, over Shaman Marais. He has a win over Miles Jury in 2019. Um, he's a very, very top level fighter. Beat boy uh, Artem Lobov. You beat our boy. Oh, I mean, he. That, he beat you know, the greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah. So um, it makes him the goat, I would say. So yeah, Andre Pizzi is a very, very good guy. But my, my guy Bryce Mitchell is one of the most exciting grapplers I've ever seen. The guy is um, out of the south. I think he's from Arkansas. Um, and his BJJ is just so he goes submission after submission. He's gone for numerous twisters. He's caught a twister in the UFC and gone for a few more. He goes to arm triangle, try. Uh, tri- uh, transitions into the triangle, into the twister, into this, into that. It's just beautiful to watch. Classic. This is, a, this is like the classic striker versus grappler match, right? On the yeah. on the ground, it's all Mitchell. On the feet, it's all Feely. And I'm I just want to see who wins this. Sounds like a good one to tune in for. Yeah, and Bryce Mitchell is also one of the funniest funniest guys I've ever heard. Um, if you listen to him on um, on uh, what's his name? Uh, who who's that? Uh, that that southern guy? The southern um guy that Theo Vaughn, aren't Theo you? Vaughn yes he was on the Theo Vaughn podcast and it was just it was that's one of the funniest podcasts I've ever heard in my life I, yeah. I strongly recommend it about a year <laughs> old Theo Vaughn with Bryce Mitchell it is 10 out of 10 quality strongly strongly recommend uh anything else to add in next week on next week's card I think there uh, are a got, couple other decent fights. We've got the Greg Hardy fight uh, against you. Maurice Green. Um, always notable, I guess, when Greg Hardy fights. Um, I'm going to just get on my soapbox real quick. Greg Hardy is, like, one of the worst pieces of shit to exist in the UFC right now. He savagely beat his, like, ex-girlfriend. There are photos of, and evidence of everything happening on online that you can look up. This is it's a fact that he did this. Uh, I believe he did some time. And, uh, you know, now he's fighting professionally, which I guess, arguably, you know, if you have violent impulses, which, you know, I mean, like, you know, let's not, you know, some of these UFC fighters are nice guys, but they're all also guys that revel in violence. So if you're a violent person, you know, fine, I guess, get take it out in the cage. And he hasn't had any trouble since. So, you know, that's fine. But still, you know, I, you know, if you, you, you're somebody, if you're somebody who abuses your spouse, yeah, I think you're a fucking piece of shit. But that said, that said, un- unfortunately, it's undeniable that every time that he fights, it's extremely exciting. He's gotten better every single time that he's fought in his division. He comes out with just this absolutely unparalleled explosivity, which is, you know, certainly the, the result of his experience or aided by his experience in the NFL. Um, he comes out, he throws bombs with some of the highest immediate pressure that I've seen in that division ever. Unfortunately, he does, I mean, he slows down absolutely late in the fight, and he, we saw, you know, in his uh, loss against Volkov, you know, his big stumbling point is a highly technical striker who can, who can, you know, stand up to the high pressure and volume until he kind of slows it down, and he does substantially slow down in the later rounds, and he, he does, uh, he has, you know, there's clear weaknesses. You can tell when he's starting to maybe get a little frustrated or he's seem new. a little dejected. He's, yeah, he's, he's underdeveloped. Yeah, he's underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. But he, I, can, I can tell every time when he seems a little dejected that his explosivity didn't immediately work for him. I think he's, uh, but 
he's gotten better every time. He's he's become much more skilled, uh, uh, you know, from what we've seen. And, um, you know, it is a fight that is worth tuning into. I, I agree. I think you said really everything there is to say. To summarize, piece of shit, exciting mm-hmm. fighter, getting better as, at every fight. Still pretty new, but he's his game. His his tools are evolving quickly, and we'll see if he's able to compose himself more and more as he progresses and where his mm-hmm. ceiling really is. We just don't know, and he's exactly. a long way to go. And I'm, and I'm just saying, Greg Hardy, if you hear this and you think that you're upset with me and you want to come to my house and beat me up, just know that you'd only be proving my point. Okay, uh, we do have Bobby Green <laughs> fighting fighting on this card. He's always a fun guy to watch. Um, Alex Hernandez is headlining the prelim. That's also a good a good fight a fighter to watch. So we do have some decent guys on this card. Um, not, it's not a overly packed card, but for a fight night, I'm I'm I'm, I'm satisfied with this. Uh, where we are back to our oh. normal time. Actually, it's, a bit, it's still a bit of an earlier card. This one starts at 4 p.m. Eastern uh, for the prelim, 7 p.m. for the main card. So it's still a bit of an earlier card than usual. Um, and we'll see. Actually, looking into the future, the uh, the other times have not yet been announced. So we'll see what time the UFC starts to settle on. It's kind of interesting that they've been moving around um, when they're showing events during this COVID era. I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that, but we'll see mm-hmm. how that continues and how that affects their numbers. Mm-hmm. I want to point out a few notable things uh, just that I've noticed looking over the schedule of the fight uh, next week. So first off, on the prelims, you're going to want to look out for the two most American-sounding men I've ever heard. You've got Sean Strickland versus Jack Marshman. <laughs> Those two sound... They sound like... They're actually Eric both pretty good, South for the Park. record. Those We're sound like games decent. from South Park. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys are looking at the schedule. Who the hell is, is Courtney Casey fighting? Yeah, we don't know yet. It shows there's a record. In the, so <laughs> if, if for those, you know, if you look up uh, the next week's schedule on Google, it shows Courtney Casey fighting against a person with no name, no picture. A record. They, they have it lay, labeled that they are nine and three. They're 32 but, years old. They have had no name for all 32 years yeah. of their life. <laughs> who, who the hell is this person? They have every other stat up there except their name and a photo of them. So she's, I mean, it's Halloween night. So no, it's bro, it's the silent assassin. She's fighting, she's fighting the silent assassin. She's fighting a ghost. It's Halloween. <laughs> the nameless nightmare. Yep. Pretty much. It's gonna be uh, fun. Gonna be a fun, fun night for Halloween. Because uh for the for the rest of us adults that are not going to be attending any uh social engagements that you know, night. or the rest of the the rest of us people who don't want coronavirus that won't be attending social engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. All right. Any anything else to mention on next week's card? I think uh, we've covered quite a bit. It's been a good episode. It was a great le- night last night. Again, one mm-hmm. final uh, send off. Thank you to Khabib Nurmagomedov for what a just a, a brilliant, brilliant career. Your name mm-hmm. will forever be enshrined among the greats. We will never have a goat conversation without his name being brought up. And it's just a shame we're not going to see him again. But mm-hmm. full respect to the man. Yep, he's cemented himself in not just the history of the UFC, not just the history of combat sports, but sports in general. He is just a phenomenally inspirational figure for everybody. Amen. Yeah, with, without a doubt, the best. And we can cement that if you fought GSP, but I'm not going to hold <laughs> it to you too hard. <laughs> All right, with that being said... 
It has been a great Smash Sunday. We will see you next Smash Sunday. Please, as always, next, leave a I like. I thought this was the last one. <laughs> leave this the a last like, one? comment, UFC's subscribe. Now that Khabib's retired, UFC's over, right? Oh, no, no. Smash, guess, we, have to change, we need to change the, uh, yeah, the name of the... Yeah, <laughs> And rebranding. I don't know if we can be the Smash cast if the, if the, if the, head, the head of Smash is no longer in, in session. So... Hmm. Uh, we got Hamzat. We got that's true. Hamzat is going to have to take over the Smash cast name. Thank you, Hamzat. But as I was saying, leave a like, comment, subscribe. We will consider keeping the Smash Cast going if we get a couple likes in this on this video. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, we will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm. Take it easy.